The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Uh, we're going to start the conversation with this here. Number 48 in the PWI 250. Lana, that's just an incredible accomplishment. And I think any of your fans, any of the people that have followed you over the years will kind of say, well, yeah, Lana should be higher. One of the very best in the business. But uh, you must be really, really proud and pleased with your ranking in this year's PWI 250. Well, I I was quite shocked as well because I thought I was going to have to fight somebody who runs that because for like 11 years I've never been in it and I was like, oh God, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I really, you know, because it is a nice thing to be put in that because it's a bit of like recognition for like the hard work you've put in and stuff. So I was like, oh, I need to work harder. I really want to get on that list. So like I did have a good, a good couple of years. So I did have a feeling I was going to be in it. But then when I ranked so high, I did not expect that at all. I was like, I was very, very grateful for that. Uh, have you ranked in the PWI 250 before? No. You no, haven't? Was, no, that was the first time. That's what I'm saying. Like, I was like, I'm going to have to beat someone up there because, you know, what are they playing at? <laughs> Oh, but 48. And when you consider all the tremendous talent out there, and I mean, the UK roster of women is absolutely stacked. Um, it it could pretty much fill the 250 by itself. But when you think about all the tremendous female talent around the world, number 48, that's, you know, I bet, I bet you didn't sleep that night when you first saw, you know, the PWI come out or when the, the, your your Twitter started going berserk. Um, yeah. But uh, to tell what was the moment like for you when you first found out? It was just, a, like I said, a bit of relief because I did, I did like wonder every year, like, oh, I've had a good year this year. Why am I not in it? Or, you know, and stuff like that. So I was a little bit like, oh, what am I doing wrong? You know, and then I just decided to have lots of fun in my wrestling and be myself and just, and, you know, I ended up getting on the list. So I'm, I'm thinking that's why. I'm thinking it's because I went and had loads of fun and, you know, bullied everybody. Maybe that's why I got into it, actually, because I became the bully. So that could be why. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about your character, the queen of mean, superstar Lana Austin, your incredible run with progress and the, and the championship. Um, but, I mean, you mentioned it there, 10, 11 years in the business now, um, and to the 250, uh, ranking 48. Um, and it, does it, all that hard work, all that toil, toil, that grind up and down the road, the, the promotions, the championships, the people that you've been in the ring with, it, it makes it all worthwhile when yeah. that recognition comes through, doesn't it? Yeah that, yeah, that really does. And people don't understand, like, about, like, you know, you put all that hard work in for the wrestling, but then you've also got your, you know, your real life as well. And, you know, for 10, 11 years, I've been a single parent with three children, trying to make a career for myself, you know, and one of my children have ADHD, you know, so that was a, a battle with that as well. You know, so I feel like I put a lot of hard work in my wrestling, but also there was a lot of struggle and hard work behind the scenes as well with my family and stuff. So, you know, when I did get ranked that, I was like, I did everything. I did I did all the hard work. <laughs> Absolutely, all the hard work in it. It finally kind of, uh, well, it's amounted to many things over your career, but like I say, recognition in a very respected uh, column, magazine. We, we spoke about the Orlando Takeover match <laughs> on uh, April the 1st, uh, but then the following day, 
What about this, Damo? And uh, oh yourself Christ. in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I'm going to bring up the picture again because, I mean, that that's, uh, that's a what relay if everyone's seen it. Uh, oh, I can see myself now. Can you see yourself? Oh, I, I, I did struggle to yeah, find yeah. you, but there's a hole. There's a hole. Oh, I can there. see the ginger hair. That's, that's, that's the <laughs> but oh, I mean, God. I don't think as fans, I don't think we found out that you were going to be part of that until maybe the day of, possibly the day before. I don't know, something crazy like that. And I, and I did pop when I kind of saw an image saying, "Right, Killian Dane's going to be in the Andre." It's like, what? He's going to make his WrestleMania debut. Um, but I mean, that must have been a hell of a thrill, especially coming off of the match the night before. Um, that tremendous eight-man tag. Um, but uh, when did you find out you're going to be part of the Andre Battle Royal in front of 70,000 people in that fantastic... You so, know, with, with some great talent. Tell us about it. So the show was Sunday. We had the takeover on Saturday. I found out Friday night, and it blew my mind, man, because, you know, right, it was very strict in NXT at that, that period, you know, because they weren't sure how they wanted NXT to be yet. You know, it was still in that kind of transition mode. Um, so, to be to be honest with you, no, I didn't even know if we were going to be allowed to be at WrestleMania. Like, you know, we weren't sure yet really what. I think we found out, yeah, we're, we're going to go and we're going to do whatever. Like, we weren't sure yet really because there was still a separation, you know. Um, and then they, they said, yeah, we're going to announce Tian Bing was one of the Chinese competitors. We're all like, yeah, we're cheering, right? It was, it was just the, the group of the lads uh, and the girls were all together. And then they're like, and Killing Dane's also going to be in. I was like, <laughs> and I, I, I did not say a comment. Um, and, you know, you, you're just like, but they, they announced it in front of everybody. Everybody's around me. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, and I'm sure it like, must be hilarious because I'm like literally looking down going, how the fuck did I deal with this? <laughs> um, but like, it, it was very cool. And like getting that opportunity. So like in the moment, like um, in the ring and stuff like that, like I was fun. Like I don't, I don't get the butterflies and all that kind of stuff like at the time, you know, I find, find all that stuff really easy. And I remember like, you know, I was speaking to Sean Michaels and he was like, do your best to try and take it in because as wrestlers, we do our best to just kind of like no sell everything, you know, as it's happening. But I did try when I'm walking down the ramp, my friend, uh, Sarah Logan got this brilliant shot of me walking down the ramp. Like, and it, you know, I've kept it. It is a really sick photo and it was amazing that I got to do that opportunity. And, um, when I think about all the people who were in that bloody ring, like the Usos and all, it was my first time, like you know, being in the ring with some of those lads. And there was uh, the Brody Lee and stuff, you know. So like, there was a lot yeah. of really cool guys there. Like Strowman was there, and, there and, and yeah, there was it was yeah Strowman, yeah, exactly. Big Show was there. Like there was like a, a ridiculous talent group there, and it was mind blowing that I, that I was a part of it. Like, and then they on the day, you know, I get there, they're like, right, we've got you going to the final three, and we're like, that's like, do you know who, who Rob Gronkowski is? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, the football guy. Yeah. He's like, well, there's going to be shenanigans there. And I'm like, oh, Christ. But, you know, you're, I'm just like, okay, you know, smile and wave. You know, that, that's kind of my that's kind of, that's kind of my philosophy anyway, you know. Um, but, yeah, brilliant experience. Um, something I never thought would happen. You know, when I first started wrestling, I genuinely thought that the concept of being on a WrestleMania would be, you know, it was such a wide gap from where I had started. You know, yes, that gap shortened. Even when I was killing it in the Indies and something, I still didn't think like there'd be yeah. an opportunity to to have that kind of time. And there you go, it, it happens. You know, you, you they just decide randomly you're going to do it. Okay, you know, so you, you go and do it. You do your best. And had a lot of fun. And like I remember, like leaving, like as you know, afterwards. You know, I, I it, it hit me afterwards. You know what I mean. I was sitting in one of the boxes that they had for us, and I was just 
I'm sweating so much. It was so hot. Like, like I can't explain to you. You know, Florida is warm the best of times, but it was the middle of April. Um, it was like 90 odd degrees, and I'm jeez, oh. I'm literally like in puddles of sweat. Right, especially so after just performing in the Battle Royal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and there was no uh, the locker room was a tent, right? This giant tent, but it was like you know, trying like you're trying to have something that's cool enough, and it was impossible to stay cool. You know what I mean? So. I also didn't want to stay in the locker room because the lads had matches and stuff like that. But, so I go upstairs and I have a beer and I'm, I'm just sitting there going, fucking hell, I can't believe I was on that bloody show. You know what I mean? And it was, it was mind-blowing. I got to meet like Roman Reigns, uh, first time I met him, and he's like, <laughs> he fucking grabs me and says, if they tell you to shave your back, tell them to fuck off. <laughs> and I was like, fucking oh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I've said that one publicly. So there you go. There, there's a little... Uh, Little, little uh, bonus for you, Jonas. Um, but um, <laughs> and I, but I respect you know, and I got like John Cena and stuff like that. Like it was very fucking cool, and, and like you know, there's just people who have got enough to worry about on that day, you know, and they were all fucking cool. Um, but one of the coolest parts of it, right? I didn't even know that uh, the Hardy Boys were there. So when I went upstairs, I actually got to see that as a surprise, and it was very fucking cool that they, they returned. They kept it all super secret, literally. Um, even from us backstage, even you know what I mean. And I was in Cater and Plenty. Of course, I was in Cater. Look at me. Um, you know, I was in Cater and Plenty. I was, I was, you know, backstage Plenty and whatever else. And the fact that they managed to keep it was very cool. So that was that was awesome because I was a Hardy Boys fan as a kid. Oh, nice. You know, to see them and stuff. And then I got to see them after and stuff. It, it was very, and I worked uh, Jeff a bunch uh, later on, which was which was very cool. So I'd seen Matt on the Indies, and we we done a couple of shows together and stuff. So it was very cool to, to see them again and whatever. It was, it was very awesome. So it was a really cool experience. Um, for, for a variety of reasons, um, but also because, you know, some of my mates were actually in the crowd, like by accident, you know, just happened to go into Orlando for, for many of um, So, you know, I still get, you know, the occasional photo sent to me, oh, I was here, and I was like, oh, shit, you know what I mean? So, uh, and they didn't know I was going to be involved until literally the last minute. So, you know, for that stuff to happen, it was all very cool coincidences, you know what I mean? But, yeah, great experience. Um, Absolutely. And, like, you know, for, for you know, uh, all, the, all the fans who were tweeting me and messaging me after, um, really appreciate it. You know, it was it was an awesome. And I think that announced me almost to the to the to the wrestling world. You know what I mean? Because not everybody watched NXT. You know, they were like, "Who's this fucking big hairy troll?" You know what I mean? Um, and you know, I, I realized I had a very unique look. So. <laughs> but, but I mean, you was only probably six months into being signed. So I mean, uh... if even if even. John is at the Electric Ballroom, and I'm here with the kid, without fear, yeah. Danny Black. Um, and I got it right on the third attempt, <laughs> but you won't know this. Uh, but uh, great to see you today. Um, mate, your match against Leo Rush was amazing. Um, and I'm saying that with purpose because, I mean, firstly... I know that from a, a teenager, from a 15, 16 year old, he was one of the guys that you idolized on the scene. He was one of the guys that would watch and turn the telly on and purposefully kind of study his work. Um, on, on a personal level, what, what did it mean to kind of be in the ring with one of your legit heroes today uh, at chapter 148? Um, it was definitely nerve wracking, especially during the week so it was weird like I was very nervous during the week and I was like you can ask my girlfriend I was getting so stressed during the week just panicking like am I gonna do well like, am I sh gonna shit the bed because it's Leo Rush um, but like as soon as I got here and like we properly met and talked he's such like a lovely guy that it put me at ease and I was a lot more calm than I thought I would be today obviously still quite a lot of nerves because uh, as you said like I came up watching him like I all the time I go on YouTube, type in Leo Rush, see what free matches I could watch, like just studying, studying. 
because like he's so fucking sick um and yeah i've looked up to him for a while so it, it meant a lot for for progress to trust me with, with him in a singles match especially because uh, obviously recently i've been doing a lot of tag stuff with cpf which i love obviously it's still going to continue um but i was I just kind of wanted an, a singles match that was big to like prove that I've still got that in me because like during the tapings I didn't have CPF it was just me yeah. putting out the best singles match I could every time uh, so I wanted to prove that I could do it in front of a crowd and hopefully yeah. I did. Yeah and, and I mean the match was was amazing um, probably one of the fastest matches I think I've ever seen in my whole life um, to be in there with somebody like that and you, you're lightning quick yourself to have two athletes go in at 100 miles an hour like that in the ring how does it what's that like what's that like i've never laced up a pair of boots been in the ring taking a bump what's that like to be in there with him i feel like it would be a lot harder if i haven't studied his stuff for so long um so i kind of knew what to expect coming in that i knew there was going to be running everywhere not being able to catch him so i kind of anticipated it uh and I, like I was doing extra cardio before to get ready for this one, um, but yeah, like having having studied him for so long, I knew what to expect. So it, it wasn't a shock, but it was definitely difficult to keep up with him. Yeah, and, and I think we only found out as fans that that match was actually going to be taking place midweek yep. this week. So probably three or four days ago. When did you find out? <laughs> Just before you lot did. <laughs> no um, way. Yeah, yeah. So I I spoken to. Uh, progress and literally just straight up asked can I wrestle Leo Rush uh, because I put out a list of dream matches a few years ago um, and I hadn't been able to tick any of them off yet and I knew that uh, progress management had some connections with Leo so I just straight up asked can I wrestle Leo Rush um, and they was like we'll see what we can do uh, and then I get a call out of the blue like midweek saying uh, we might be able to get Leo Rush for this next show in a, in a couple weeks Are you ready <laughs> and I was like uh, yeah uh, and I actually <laughs> I got the, the chest tattoo like five days ago and I was like oh do I cancel the tattoo I was like no I need to like I can't let the artist down but at the same time I'm not going to turn down the match so I was like fuck it if it stings it stings like I, I just need this match so I was happy to have it whenever so yeah. I'm glad it happened and, and what I think happened today was I think Progress have got a new single star on their hand and we spoke a lot about CPF You've just mentioned about the, the Pekamira and when that was before CPF yeah. were a thing, a collective. You guys have always been close friends, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think what's happened today is we've seen before our very eyes a new single star kind of happen in that ring today. Um, this is going to be a really strange question and probably the silliest question I've asked in a long time. But do you feel any different coming out of that match, confidence-wise? Um, now you know you can you can go in there with an athlete like a Leo Rush. Yeah. Do you think that's taking you to the next level? I definitely feel it has. Like just getting to like feel how he moved in the ring and like being able to like plan with him beforehand and everything. It was just a, a mad experience to like get to work with someone that experienced and someone that I look up to so much. And like seeing the the reaction we got, which was really good. Like it's definitely filled me with a bit more confidence that. I don't necessarily need the CPF boys to get that big reaction, which is what I was kind of doubting before, because as I said, like all my big singles matches happened during taping, so there was no crowd to get behind me, so I didn't know how it was going to go. Um, and obviously, I, like, I know I can have bangers with CPF, but I was doubting whether I still had it in me. Uh, but now I've definitely got my confidence back, and I, 
as well as tagging with CPF, you know, we're going for the tag straps, but I'd love to have a few more standout singles matches here and there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've seen you in some, you know, banger singles matches. I was in Cardiff and I saw you against Mike Bird and obviously again tonight against Leo Rush. Um, what, what, a slightly different train of thought now. Really sick gear tonight. Thank you. Amazing boots, uh, tights, just the gear was probably the best I've seen from you to be honest with you um, I know you do you make your own gear I, I design it so I you don't design it right gear. sick gear tell Thank us a bit you. about the gear uh, was it inspired by anything or anybody in particular give us a bit of an insight into your gear and I've never asked that in, in four years of doing <laughs> podcasting uh, but tell us a bit about your gear uh, yeah that's a cool question actually um, so uh, I'm a big Marvel fan uh, obviously the gimmicks inspired a lot by Daredevil uh, so I looked at uh, a couple of comic images and uh, a couple of images from the Netflix series and I kind of wanted to merge like the real life costume with the comic costume uh, and that's what I drew up because uh, as you said yeah I design a lot of gear like even for other workers like uh, the one Spike Trevay was wearing I designed them um, I've designed stuff for Gene Money that he hasn't got yet but yeah I, it's something I really enjoy doing like getting to use some of the art skills that I used to have in school um, and it's just an extra way to get out my creativity so I definitely enjoy it and I've like the thing with designing gear for other people now is like in between doing stuff for other people I'm just constantly drawing for myself so now I'm gonna be broke because I've got like five designs I want to get done with like soon so yeah it's really exciting yeah a, a, a couple a couple of final questions for me so you've you finished a match with uh, with uh, Leo Rush you go backstage you must be full of adrenaline hyped up maybe a little bit beaten up but feeling amazing I'm guessing you're feeling amazing did, did What's that feeling like when you go back through the curtain and you've got Leo there, you obviously have a bit of a chat. Um, tell us about kind of what happens after that match this evening. Um, yeah, it was just really cool because I, I felt like kind of a bit of relief because as I said throughout the week, I was like really stressed about this. Like I want to nail this match. Um, so it was a relief that it got like a good reaction and uh, speaking to Leo, he was happy with it, which I'm just thrilled about. Um, so hopefully we get to do it again, maybe go longer next time, hopefully I'll come out on top, but um, yeah, just just shout out to Leo Rush because he's, he's been so like good to me throughout the day, um, just like generally chatting with me, so proper down-to-earth guy, so... He's a proper pro, isn't he, and a nice 100%, guy? 100%, so like, it put me at a lot more ease, like, being as nervous as I was, that I, it, I was working with someone as nice as him, so yeah. 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 But Danny Black, I'm going to say it again, um, a real standout match tonight, a star-making performance. Uh, really, really pleased that you got to wrestle one of your heroes and that you uh, kind of uh, gave him, um, uh, like I say, an awesome match that I'm sure he'll remember as well. But uh, um, like I say, I think you've got a very, very exciting 2023 ahead of you. And uh, I think all of us at home can't wait to see what that 2023 looks like for yourself and the CPF boys. Uh, but like I say, really excited about your, uh, your solo career and future solo matches. But uh, Danny Black, thank you very much thank you but uh she's one of my biggest fans so thank you for risking your career mum for the labor coups and dollars that's really awesome that's really awesome and i'm gonna bring up that first picture again uh because you're wearing a, an iron maiden t-shirt there and i know that's uh obviously one of your favorite bands and a bit of an influence or a massive influence on your persona on your character and i think you told me off air that you, you you've actually got somebody in the family that used to perform with Iron Maiden. So tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, my uncle is uh, Clive Burr, who was the original drummer for Iron Maiden and um, was on their first three albums, like their most famous album, Number of the Beast. Um, so he was the drummer on it. So uh, 
yeah, so a big connection to Iron Maiden. So uh, he, he's unfortunately dead now. He died at quite a young age of um, uh, an illness called MS. Um, so I didn't really get to have these amazing conversations with him about the band and stuff because he was quite ill when I knew him, um, unfortunately. But yeah, so uh, that's a pretty cool connection. I don't know, it must, it was, it must run in my family. This, uh... And one show in particular, um, I think it was Wrestle Carnival's debut at the H&B Empire in Coventry was in July, uh, Ringmasters. And it featured uh, a certain Scotty Too Hotty, who featured in the uh-huh. opening match against Crowley. And uh, he took part, or he, he was kind of there after the main event as well, did the worm. Um, but uh, not only that, uh, yourself and Charlie and Doris, and uh, you got the chance to do the the cool too cool dance didn't you so obviously there was scotty too hotty and grandmaster sex a and, and rikishi back in the day doing the too cool dance and you got a chance to do it as well uh with the man himself how, how was that in front of your home crowd uh in coventry that must have been a, a pretty fun moment for you yeah that was great and i must admit we did ask if we could do it yeah <laughs> who wouldn't we did ask, who wouldn't? We did ask Gary a few weeks before we we're like is anybody doing the dance with Scotty Too Hotty at the end because because we'd seen that he'd like done other shows of, yeah. like obviously in, in in the UK and and he did quite a lot with OTT and we'd seen other like other workers doing the dance with him so we're like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if Gary's having him do it at Wrestle Carnival. Um so yeah we asked we shamelessly asked is anybody else doing it? And he was like, oh Doris, yeah probably Doris and we were like, well can we do it as well? I was like yeah. Um because I just think like you know and some wrestlers are quite I mean, or, you know, it's, it's you know, you shouldn't take photos with, like, wrestlers and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't be a mark and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, like, so stupid. Like, if I remember watching Scotty Too Hot when I first got into wrestling and I, I loved it, like, why would I not? Like, if I've got the chance to do something like that, and it's, it's funny because wrestling is the only industry where people are like that, like... You know, like sometimes you'll see like bands will, or like singers will post like photos with like other artists and they'll be like, oh, this person's my inspiration. I love this person growing up. I can't believe I got to do a duet with this person. And nobody's like, Mark. But we, but in wrestling, we are for some reason, which doesn't yeah. make sense. So I just think um, if you get the opportunity to do stuff like that, you can only be told no, can't you? So it's always yeah. worth asking the question. And I got to tell a load of my friends that used to watch wrestling in the Attitude Era that I did the Scotty Too Hotty dance, and that they were probably more they were probably more excited that I did that than <laughs> than anything else that I've ever done, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And it was thanks to that show. Also, I, I got to interview Scotty Too Hotty after the show, and then uh, he came on the podcast, did a full interview with me uh, a couple of months ago. But a similar story to yours, and uh, I was at the Progress show on on Sunday, um, up in the the balcony, up in the VIP area, and I looked across to my left, and and there was. There was Nikki Cross, Nikki Cross, and oh. a kind of. Uh, I know that you've got a history with Nikki Cross, and we'll probably talk about her. But I was thinking, oh, she's obviously here to support Damo, um, and kind of tried to get her attention. <laughs> and I didn't really want to kind of. Anyway, coming back from the interval, she walked past me, and I, I put my hand out, and she kind of walked past it. So I thought, okay. So I waved, and she waved back, and um, uh, yeah, I, I I was a proper mark there. She looked fantastic. And I, was... like, I don't I don't understand this. Like I don't know where this kind of etiquette came from. Like yeah, I mean, like you know, if you're backstage and, and somebody's <laughs> on a show with you and they're like going through their match and whatever, then yeah, okay, fair enough. But like, I don't. I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't understand it. Like, like I said, there's, there's no other industry that's like it. Like you'll yeah. see footballers do it. You'll see 
musicians do it you'll see other athletes do it but for some reason we don't it's it's markish well then i'm sorry but every single person that gets into wrestling is is has been a mark at some point like we're fans at the end of the day so yeah i i for me i always just think like you'll regret it like there's so many times i've done shows with um people that were massive inspiration to me when i was younger i mean i got to wrestle jazz and she was like one of my favorite wrestlers and yeah too right i told her of course i said to her because you know she and she was lovely she was so lovely um and yeah you might get the odd person that you say oh you know you really inspired me as a kid and blah blah and they might just be like but i doubt not not many wrestlers are like that we obviously do it because we want to entertain so to be told by anybody you know 10 years later oh you really inspired me like yeah you'd have to have a bit of a heart of stone to not be like oh that's a really cool thing to hear so yeah yeah, i always just think take the picture with them absolutely (laughs) i know you wrestled for brian and all-star wrestling for many many years james uh knew the gent very very well uh, could consider him a very good friend, but uh, uh, what what will the passing of Brian Dixon mean to you, my friend? The the end of of the biggest part of my, my wrestling life, basically. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I've still got a few more years left in wrestling. I, I really mm. but it's been thirty years now, and twenty five of them was completely and utterly full time. Full star. Wow. For 25 year period, I spent more time with Brian than my family. Uh, wrestlers would come and go, but I, I stayed. Uh, I, I just I can't thank him enough for giving me the opportunities he did. He, uh, I, I, I read some real nice comments last week on, online. And you know what? A lot of the comments were basically saying, and it really touched me Brian Dixon allowed people to live out their dreams, basically. Uh, if that makes sense. He, yeah. I, my dream was to be a wrestler, and there was thousands of people who had a dream of being a wrestler. And you could wrestle for all different people, but when you wrestle for all stars for Brian Dixon, regardless of pay, regardless of how you travel there, regardless of anything else, for that 10, 20 minutes in that ring, I was in the prestigious venues on with the absolute best opponents, and I was I was someone. Does that make sense? And, uh, oh, and he, yeah. he allowed me to live out my dream for, for 30 years, and I'm still living out my dream, and I, I owe everything to him. And uh, Yeah, there's some, some great memories, uh, great times. There, there's, yeah, it's... Uh, I had things in my head I wanted to say, and then when it's coming to it, it's not as easy to, to say stuff. And we've got the funeral this week, which I'm, and I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that it's a huge celebration of his life on Friday. Some great people are going. I've heard some of the names that are coming in. Yeah. I think he's going to have an amazing turnout, and I want it to be an absolute celebration of his life. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, any any fond memories or fun stories of being around Brian and the boys? Uh, I mean, just, any that what anyone that stands out. Uh, I mean, there's, there's countless, there's countless, and I'm sure we're going to talk about them. But I just remember Brian. You could be in his company, and he'd come up with an idea of a match or something, and it was like it was ridiculous. Like, why on earth would you be thinking the biggest promoter that I've ever been around, the biggest company in Europe? So, and this is what he's coming up with this idea of this match. Oh my God, this is never going to work. And then you'd sort of be saying, Brian, I'm going to do it, but I don't want to do this. I do not feel comfortable doing this. And then you do it. It actually worked, and it was like fair play, Brian. He, he he had a bit of an eye for things. He would come up with some ideas, and uh, I mean, it's not really a funny story, but I just remember. And the last time I actually saw him was in uh, Telford, only a few months ago. Uh, no, sorry, a couple of months ago at the Open Fair, and he did exactly that. He put me and I can't say the full match because it, it was uh, I might be dressed up as somebody else. So I don't want to give out any rumours, but uh, 
And it was a match that this match should never have happened. Like, why would you put this match on paper? The build was superb. The wrestlers there was out as well. And he put a tag on there. And I thought, this guy's got a sense of humour. <laughs> I went and spoke to him. And he was having none of it. And he basically just said, go, go make the best of it. He always called me kid. Even now, I'm 43. It was always kids. Go, go just uh, make it work. Go, go make the best of it. Go do it. And somehow we did. And the match was good. And I just went away driving on that night. Sort of really like, entertained by... Uh, and obviously, that was the last time I saw him, which is... Yeah. Really sad, but I'm just glad I've got a memory like that where I went out there, all guns blazing, point. I'm not doing this. This is this match is going to be awful. <laughs> Why on earth are we doing this match? And it actually worked. And uh, yeah, I, I wish I should have should have gone out late and I shook him in there and he said, "Yeah, cheers, point. It was a good idea." So I mean, it, there's other guys could give you a million and one fun. Oh, story. I'm sure. And again, I'm not. It's not my my thing really, but uh, just just some great times. And sometimes when he he pulls some strokes, and I was like, "Wow, I don't." I can't believe like, he's doing this to me, but like, ultimately, for that amount of time. And uh, I've, I've always had a job. I've never had to get a real job. I've, I say real job wrestling is a real job, obviously, but I've always been, been a wrestler. That's all I've ever done. I've never had to go and get another job. I've provided for my family. I'm, I'm, I'm living okay. And it's really been down to that, man. I mean, I've gone out and done other stuff on my own, but ultimately... That's always been my uh, my, my bread and butter. So, so absolutely fantastic, absolutely fantastic. He will be missed for sure. I want to talk a bit about um, uh, death matches now because I think you've you've got a little bit of a reputation for being a bit of a death match queen, haven't you? Uh, you you've 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 done a few. Uh, You've done a few tournaments in your time. I think the first time I met you backstage was just after you did a, a one-night deathmatch tournament for TNT in 2021. I think it was a Legos match. There was a, a barbed wire chair match and then some kind of like all-in-one ultimate deathmatch uh, to culminate that. Um, but tell us a bit about your, your history with deathmatches because you have had one or two, haven't you? I've had a fair few. I've had a fair too many now at this point. Uh <laughs> No, I started doing that. I did a few like joke ones pre-COVID and then uh, post-COVID. I ended up having just like really good, a really good like death match with like people like Clint Ruggiero, who is an absolute like, he's an absolute death match god. So, you know what I mean? And I've had really fun ones against Rena recently. It was fantastic, but I didn't want to have a death match. That was the whole point. Um, but yeah, no, I have, to be fair, I do enjoy them. They're a great crack, but like, it's not something I want to uh, do too much genuinely because I think I've been very, very lucky at the fact that I'm not a deathmatch wrestler, uh, but I enjoy having them and I've had fun so far and everything's been safe. So I don't really want to push the limits anymore, but we'll see like the, like the odd time. Like I, I do like to like, I do, I do enjoy it. So that'll always be in me, but not anymore. Every time you have a deathmatch, every time you have a deathmatch, you say never again though, don't you? Say never again. And you always get pulled back into one. Then it'll come, like, DOA will come around next year and I'll end up jumping in and I'll want to do it. Like, don't hold anything I say seriously. I change my mind all the time. <laughs> I, I want to bring up some pictures from your most recent uh, death match. It was against Rena, wasn't it, when uh, GCW came over to the UK. And uh, if you're of a slightly squeamish disposition, you might want to look away now. Uh, but, oh, well, not that picture. That's, that's an awesome picture. There's your, uh, I, I'm not sure how you would describe that. Your... You're, you're like saying you're cane of uh, cans, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like hand um, But uh, she is a bit of a, a death match uh, goddess. Isn't she? She's been in lots of death matches. There you are with the light tubes. Um, and uh, yeah, rather you than me, Martina, for sure. Lots of blood, too much glass for my liking. And that was. Uh, 
a board full of uh, carpet treads or yeah, carpet but what i what i do like more than anything is the post-match pictures because i just think you look badass yeah so, i know that's afterwards. what we do it for lads that's the only reason we do it. we just want the post-match cool bloody picture anyone that says they don't they're lying <laughs> there we go and i'm sure that's on uh, various items of merch but we'll talk about your merch a bit later on for sure uh, but the following day yourself and emerson had to go one-on-one -on -one, i think back in a tnt ring you were pretty pretty banged up and bandaged up as well um how was that 24 hours later uh tough i mean everyone did say they expected a little bit less because it but it's emerson jane like she's always going to put you through the ringer she's literally the toughest i'd say hands down the best talent in the uk bar none uh she's incredible she's incredible so anytime you're in the ring with her you know you have to go and I just needed the bandages. Like, thank God she had been weakened as well by Rena. So, so it was fine. It was a little bit better. But yeah, no, she's incredible. I absolutely love Emerson Jane. I think she's the best. Uh, but one person I want to talk about in particular um, is this guy here. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but he's, he's quite big in the movie world. Uh, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, it's The yeah, Rock, yeah. of course. Uh, um, but um, now I understand that the story goes is that... Is that Back in about 95, maybe 96, Vince 96. came up to you and asked you to kind of maybe take some students under your wing. They, they hadn't done a developmental or a proper kind of training before in-house. Uh, and there was this uh, warehouse within WWF Studios at the time. And you had, uh, I think, Mark Henry, Brackus and Rock or Dwayne Johnson, the Rock, Rocky Maivia as your first three students. Um, and uh, of course, we know what that guy went on to do, you know, became one of the, the biggest names in the wrestling industry and now the biggest name in the movie uh, industry. But uh, what do you remember about um, them kind of early days, 96 and a certain Dwayne Johnson coming your way? Well, it was awesome, man, because uh, it was just those three guys and, and myself in the warehouse of the studio where we were working all day long. Uh, we'd go have breakfast at, at Titan Towers and go work out in the gym and head over to the studio. And uh, back then in 1996, you know, I was still, I was coming off, coming off the road and I was still in wrestling shape. So I was getting in the ring with all three of those guys and uh, I was taking the bumps and, and Brockus was brand spanking new. Mark Henry was brand spanking new. Rock had already been to Memphis uh, yeah. for a little bit. And he, we, he came in to get ready for survivor series. So, um, it was it was all really awesome because Rock was was one of those guys very excited to be there, a, a natural smart ass in a good way, you know what I mean? Where you joke around and, and you can have fun. And yeah. if you, you need to have fun in this business because if not, it's going to be drudgery and you're going to hate it. But um, I remember Rock was a natural. Uh, Mark and Ockham weren't so much naturals, but they were big guys. You know, Mark Henry broke his leg. Uh, I think his first month there, uh, hitting the ropes and his ankle got snapped in the, in the mat and snapped his ankle. But um, it was an awesome time to be there. It, it was one of those things where WCW had the power plant. Vince didn't have a developmental system and he wanted to try it. And uh, I got the I got the opportunity to do it. I'm, I'm so happy I did. You know, after that, Dory Funk Jr. came in and we did the Funkin' Dojo. 
for I don't know how long, four months, five months, whatever it was. And then we moved the developmental system down to Louisville and uh, Cincinnati and kind of had different places. Uh, but it was, it was an awesome time to be there in the beginning. Absolutely. John is here in the Electric Ballroom. I'm joined by truly blessed oh. Casey Navarro. Oh, uh, great to have you over here in the UK. Great to have you here in the Electric Ballroom. Oh, um, it. Is it your first time to London, by the way? First time to the UK, never been here, and it's been the best experience. Really? So, um, today, two matches. Uh, first of all, against Nick Wayne in the uh, Defy show, and a uh, hell of a match there. And uh, okay, I was very, very impressed with what you delivered and what you offered the, uh, the, the fans inside the electric ballroom here. Uh, Nick Wayne, quite a unique competitor, isn't he? Uh, give us your kind of thoughts and experience about Nick Wayne, because uh, he really is going places, currently signed with AEW, and he's a, he's a bit of a, a fan favorite here at Progress sure. as well. But your experience of wrestling Nick Wayne today? I mean, initially when the match started and the crowd was like, we love Nick Wayne, I get it. I get why. It was my first time sharing the ring with him. Uh, the only other time we were on shows together was, I think maybe one time he was at Warrior. I'm not 100% sure. And we did New Japan last week. And uh, he's phenomenal, man. He's a special talent. I actually got to talk to his mom and just let her know, like, you have a special son. He's got he's got such special talent. He, he just gets it. He understands. He's so good. He's so smooth. And he, he's going to go far. He's going to do big things. I'm very, very happy for him for everything he's doing right now. And uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the hard week over your shoulder there. Oh, yes. Uh, tell you, you're obviously a champion. Oh, yes, I am. Tell us about it. This is the Truly Blessed Warrior World Championship. I actually uh, won this title from Will Ospreay. I uh, beat him in the States, uh, technically. Uh, and, um, you know, once I won it from Osprey, it was it was hard because, you know, Osprey is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and the champions before him are also fantastic. And at the time, you know, me not being that known, uh, not really knowing what I was fully doing like I did but I didn't like when it came to that level of uh, competitors and I was like man I got some big shoes to fill and Warrior gave me an opportunity to have some creative freedom and uh, they just trusted me and I went and I you know created my own championship and I made a promise in the beginning of the year I said I'm gonna make it a world title I went to Australia defended it there I went to Canada defended it there I defended it all across the United States every single city I've been to I've defended the title and tonight, I got to come to Progress, uh, one of the biggest companies in London. Uh, it was an honor for me. I've always wanted to be here and come out and represent Warrior, just like I did at New Japan last week, just like I got to do for Defy in the States and here. So it's a, it's a great honor to do that. You, you said earlier that it was your uh, first time over here in London. Uh, what do you enjoy most about the UK and being in London in particular? I, I love the people here. Uh, the fans are great. I can tell you that. I've wrestled. You know, like I said, Australia, Canada, every top promotion in the States. This was the best crowd I have ever wrestled in front of. You know, I've done AEW Dark, I've done Impact, I was with MLW for a hot minute, I did the New Japan thing last week, and I've wrestled for every top indie. This was the best crowd. We've got a unique audience over yes. here, and I think you'll find that kind of up and down the country, yeah. uh, but in particular in the ballroom, in particular for progress, sure. uh, with all the chants, all the songs. Yeah, yeah. Anything in particular that popped you when you are in the ring tonight? Um, the OKC Navarro chant. Uh, I always wanted that. Uh, I get it in the States, but did not expect to get it here, especially at first when they were just chanting KC. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get it. But when the match was over and they started chanting that, that was the biggest pop for me. I, I really love that. Um, 
And my one little moment with Simon Miller when we just went face to face, and he just screamed at me, scared me. And that's why I tagged out. But other than that, it was such a phenomenal experience. I loved it. And, and uh, it was slightly unexpected, but you were part of Team Tate as well, Team yes. Team Mayfair's. Yeah. Um, now you know he's not the most liked individual understand. in the locker room. You yeah. probably realised that yeah. and heard the chance for yourself. Sure. Um, but uh, an interesting match, really fun match. Yes. Of course, on the opposite side, you had uh, Miller, Crowley, yeah. G Money on your side. Obviously, you had yourself, uh, yeah. Mayfair's and. Bert. Uh, interesting match and I think that was probably one of my favorite matches of the night purely for the, the crowd interaction sure. and the fun uh, what was your experience of that one uh, I loved it man I mean everybody that was in that match was very unique I didn't really know everybody from the match uh, obviously me being in the States I don't get to really catch up on as much international stuff just because I'm always on the go uh, but man such phenomenal talent here and those guys are definitely all gonna go far uh, except I don't know Tate's got a bit of a problem but the rest of them 100% and um, you know I wish them all nothing but the best and I actually hope I get to share the ring with them one-on-one -on -one at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely and uh, I know you're here for the weekends uh, will you be in Wembley tomorrow uh, I'm, I'm maybe participating who knows who knows uh, but you'd be soaking up the atmosphere uh, around Wembley tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately I will not uh, I am flying out tomorrow morning to go right back to the States I'm wrestling Brian Kendrick uh, in the States tomorrow uh, but I wish all my friends that are there at AEW the best of luck Nick Wayne I wish him if he's involved, you know, I wish him the best of luck and um, you know, I you know, I'm happy for AEW and what they're doing and that's so cool. Wrestling's winning right now. And uh, I think that's what everybody's got to remember is that wrestling is winning. Not a company, wrestling is winning, fans are winning. And um, I'm sure that tomorrow's show is going to be phenomenal. And I think one thing that really stuck out to me today was how uh, the, the, the Progress fans really took you into their heart today. Of course you was on Tate's side, yeah. um, but then eventually you won them over. And certainly with that match with uh, Nick Wayne in the Defy show earlier on, you really won them over. Yeah. I think they want to see you back here in Progress. Uh, would you like to come back to Progress sometime soon? I would like to be here ASAP. I mean, it was a dream come true to be here anyway, and the way that the crowd took to me, uh, I, I, I didn't expect it. Uh, I was blown away, uh, a little emotional after, because uh, I just didn't expect that, and it's what I always kind of dreamt of when, when coming here, and uh, for me to have that kind of reaction, you know, I talked to a lot of fans at the meet and greet after, and I promise them I, I will be back. Awesome, uh, but truly blessed, Casey Navarro. So, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man, appreciate it. Say your pleases and thank yous. And you go out and I'm at the entranceway and they're getting ready for the dark match. Uh, the TV screens are behind there and I'm trying not to be a big mark because you've got Triple H and Shawn Michaels sat at the side. And, you know, again, guys that I've grown up watching on TV who are massive influences for most people in the wrestling business. Um, and they're directing all the cameras and everything. You know, and they're just there going, oh, relax, you know, just go and show us what you can do in four minutes. Okay, sir. You know, and obviously being from Plymouth and doing a lot of work in the Southwest, I knew that there would be some fans who would know who I was, but I wasn't expecting anything crazy. Um, but, you know, they pulled up some generic music for me and made me a little Tron. So this music goes up. No one recognizes the music because they can't use licensed music. So music goes on. And then my name came up on the Tron. And the place, just the, honestly, <laughs> the pop was insane. And like all the goosebumps went, all the adrenaline started to flow. And you're like, okay, that wasn't expecting that at all. And then you take a little look over your shoulder and you can see Triple H and Shawn Michaels, the side, just staring at me. And Triple H just stands up and says, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> and then the guy giving you the cues to go through the curtain goes, go. And like, okay, I've got to go. So 
immediately the first thought I've got in my head is I'm in trouble when I get back <laughs> because that's not, you know, it's good to get some sort of reaction, but obviously when they're not, you know, they want to plan for everything and yeah. that wasn't in the plan. So I go out and then because I got the pop and people didn't think it was going to be me. And so when I went out, it then got a second bigger pop, which if, if that's my only ever interaction with WWE, I'm happy because, uh, it was it meant so much because it was in my hometown and that venue the only time i'd ever been in that venue before was to do my university exams i've never been in that venue other than that um and so to go out and get that reaction and things and just such a happy memory and you get in the ring the referee leaned in and and just said oh you're over kid like okay cool you know like just nice to get some kind of interaction some reception and so Saxon makes his way down, you know, we lock up, we're about a minute, minute and a half in, I get cut off, sat on my butt. Um, Saxon puts some hold on me and the referee just leans in and says, Eddie's got to go over. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? And it's like, and look, Hunter says, you've got to go over. So I'm waiting for like some instruction because the, the heel always leads. And so we sort of cobbled together a finish. The finish was supposed to be a power bomb. So I just said, put me up to the power bomb. I'll just drop down and just roll you up easy. Let's not overcomplicate this. That's not what this is about. Because if, if I completely fucked it up, that would have looked worse than doing a simple finish. So we did that. We get the pop, we make our way out, get backstage and triple H is a very big and imposing man, as you might assume. And I walk back through the curtain and he stood there hands on hips, you know, as wide as he is tall. And he just walks over and just goes, you're the hometown kid? And I'm like, yes, sir. And he was like, no one told me. And if we'd known, we would have planned for it. Like, okay, I'm sorry about that. He's like, you haven't got anything to be sorry about. And basically he said that if anything, it worked in my favor because um, it put me like, you know, under pressure, saw how I worked, you know, you know, calling stuff on the fly and working off script. And they said that I impressed a few people and to go to the producer's office at the end of the show. So obviously the rest of the show goes on. Uh, the reason I had to go over was because if I'd lost, it would have killed the crowd straight away. And so they were like, if if we kill them, we'll never get them back. So yeah. that was why they had to change the finish. And so at the end of the day, I went to the trainer's office uh, and they said, you did very well. We're going to put you on TV tomorrow. And so we'll think about who you're going to go on with and just bring your stuff, get here early tomorrow so we can do promo pictures. We can do vignettes with um, with our guys like Jeremy Borash and things. And so we did all that. I get there the next day. We did all that. And uh, yeah, they were like, well, we're super pushing Fabian at the moment. It'll be good to get the heat off of you onto him if he beats up the hometown boy. John is backstage here at Progress, the Electric Ballroom. I'm joined by the legend, Nigel McGuinness. Uh, how you doing, Nigel? Great to see you here in the Electric Ballroom. The last three days, Progress Super Strong style. Um, in, in kind of a few words, how, how's your experience been the last few days with Progress Super Strong style? You've been, uh, you've been kind of, you've had your fingers in in many different areas, haven't you? Your magic fingers, we should say. Ah, 
Got the moniker Magic Fingers <laughs> McGuinness now. Um, so yeah, a couple of words, certainly fantastic springs to mind. Uh, I, I was with Progress back in 2014 and to come back here, almost like the uh, prodigal son, so to speak, was fantastic. Uh, to be part of this very prestigious tournament and have a hand in choosing who was a part of it, I said earlier. Some of the competitors I was familiar with, some not so much, but all of them I was excited to see how they would perform. I did a magic show, I did commentary for three days, I did uh, refereeing, I did a seminar. Seminar this morning. Should have set the ring up and taken it down, <laughs> sold some merchandise, I would have done the whole lot. Nine yards. Absolutely. So it was hectic, it was busy, but it was very thoroughly enjoyable and rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you know, we saw the, the videos of you introducing the 16 competitors, some you were familiar with, some you weren't. Is there anybody that maybe you weren't so familiar with that's, that's really taken your eye and really surprised you over the last three days? I don't know if surprise is the word, but there are certain people that just jump out and grab you. Charles Crowley has that sort of charisma that it's just, you know what I mean, it's tangible when the music plays and his hips move, you know what I mean? That's right. There's a reason everybody gets out of their seat and moves their feet and Crowley certainly has got it in spades. Absolutely. And uh, we saw you refereeing the main event uh, and what was uh, a very fitting main event to what's been an excellent three days an excellent super strong style tournament uh, obviously Kid Lycos uh, won the match over Mark Haskins one of the Progress Originals uh, and you were there refereeing um, it didn't look like it was uh, a particularly easy uh, affair for you it, it was very active I think a lot of people under underestimate how um, much exertion there is on a referee and for yeah. yourself I, I can't ever recall seeing you in, a, in a, a zebra top before but how was that experience for you? It was lovely it was enjoyable it certainly was an experience but funnily enough the last time I was in progress it was as a, a referee if I remember correctly and uh, you know sometimes I don't but um, as the case may be it was just as exciting this time and feeling that energy from the crowd it was something that I haven't experienced I think since then to be honest with you because you feel it at the commentary desk you get a sense of it that's that 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 almost you know, ephemeral reaction that emotion but to be in the middle in the crucible to feel it it's um takes you back to the wrestling days you know and uh makes your hair stand on end and makes you very glad that you don't wrestle anymore you know <laughs> that I've had done everything there is to do in this business and I've been absolutely very blessed and all I can say is how much respect I have for everybody in the job, whether you're in the ring, setting the ring up, booking the shows, paying the boys, whatever it is, we are all blessed to be a part of this. What did I call it last night? That proud, guilty pleasure known as professional wrestling. Absolutely. And speaking of last night, um, I was there, my cameraman was there at your uh, wonderful magic show, mm. uh, and a fair few Progress Faithful were there as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't your first magic, magic show. I know you've been uh, performing for a while and practicing for many, many years. Mm. Um, but uh, the show started with a very kind of poignant video at the top of your magic show with yourself doing a card trick to uh, you know, Jay Briscoe who we've sadly lost uh, in the last six months or so um, and, and it was that kind of poignancy um, and story that kind of threaded its way through your act last night mm. um, but um, I mean what are your kind of favorite recollections of being around Jay Briscoe and performing magic for him and maybe the other people in the locker room yeah it was always the energy of Jay Briscoe you know what I mean I think 
The reason that so many people were shocked when he passed so untimely is he was so full of life, you know what I mean? And when someone that full of life can be gone in an instant like that, it, it, it's a reality check to everybody. And for me, uh, it, it was an inspiration to say, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. People have been saying to me for the longest time, you should do a magic show. And I was waiting for the right time. It's unfortunate that it took Jay's passing to be the impetus to really put pen to paper and create this 90-minute show that is an homage to Jay, an homage to the love of professional wrestling and magic as well. And it, to weave it all together, it's very hard for me to explain what it is. People have said, you know, is it magic? Yes. But is it a spoken word? Yes. Is it an interview as well? It's all of these things combined. What is a journey and a story? And I'm super proud of it because to me, it encompasses all my passions. And it, I just hope it's, it, it's a fitting homage to a man who loved professional wrestling as much as anybody. And it makes people realize that we are all blessed wherever we sit. On what side of the ring, uh, inside, outside, or whatever it is, we're all blessed to have been a part of this incredible business. Yeah. So tell us when you when you first fell in love with uh, magic. Um, I know that uh, the UK were blessed with many fantastic magic shows on the TV in the 80s. Uh, Paul Daniels, to name a few. Uh, who were your inspirations growing up, certainly in the magic world, in the entertainment world, that maybe influenced you to take up a little bit of magic uh, in your formative years? Yeah, I, I think... Uh, early days when I was a kid growing up I wasn't really a big magic fan so to speak you know I, I liked it obviously Paul Daniels I saw on TV yeah. Max Maven who I was very lucky enough to eventually become friends with um, was an American who was over in the UK a lot as well but it wasn't until I'd started wrestling and I started doing the odd magic trick when I was wrestling in Japan and it became more of a hobby and um, Obviously, guys like Derek Brown, Darren Brown, excuse yeah. me, and Derek Delgado, uh, in and of itself, are people that just almost reinvigorated the industry. Darren Brown, Chris Angel, and of course, going to the Magic Castle in Los Angeles, which is just this out of this world experience and place. Crow Garrett, Max Maven, Matt Pomeroy, all these friends that I have in the industry who have inspired me to pursue that side of things. So it's been a long journey um, to get to this stage. And uh, again, I feel nothing but blessed to have, have got to this stage and to be able to have the ability to perform in front of people in more than one endeavor. Yeah, and of course you had uh, Malot Doris and Big Damo up on the stage. Uh, a ton of fun for the audience and for those two as well. You can tell they were enjoying it, being part of the show. Uh, and I think one, one of the uh, one of the tricks, dare I say it, was uh, trying to figure out what um, uh, made them fall in love with wrestling. Mm. Uh, you know, during their formative years, during their younger years. Uh, what were some of the things that made you fall in love with wrestling when you were younger? Well, I really was SummerSlam 92. It was the, the one event, you know, my childhood friend Lying Dave got a pirated copy of, of that on VHS. And just when I saw that match, but specifically, you know, the Hart Foundation against Demolition for the tag team titles, I was just hooked at that point. And, you know, a lot of people just sort of moved on, but I never did. Uh, I've been hooked for life and I've been very blessed to have, have made to transition that into being a wrestler and, and everything else in the industry as well. So it's nice to come back here to progress full circle and feel that passion again that I, I once felt many years ago.
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, obviously, backward progress, but back over here in the UK, you spend a lot of your time over in the States nowadays. So good for yourself personally to be back over here in the UK. Have you enjoyed your time being back over here in London or traveling around? I know you've got a little bit of time before you fly back to the States, but uh, good to be back home for a while. Oh, always is. Every time I come back here, it's fantastic. And you, know, you have the best of both worlds. You know, you get to live in America, but you get to come back and appreciate the, the benefits and the things that you miss about England, like a good, you know, full English breakfast or a nice chicken kebab you know and, but just, fish and uh, chips we did have some fish and chips as well <laughs> yeah i went back to my home village where i grew up as well took my girlfriend back there and saw the church and it was weird it was this is a very small village in kent and it was almost like going back there was like a miniature version of the village that i grew up in you know because yeah. i've grown up you know literally and figuratively and to go back there was was an amazing experience and um I keep using that word blessed, but, yeah. but I really do feel it. And I, I do feel as I get older, more and more appreciative of everything that I have, you know, experienced in life. And that's part of the magic show as well. You know, to your point is, is getting to that stage in your life where you just want to celebrate everything that has come on your plate, good and bad as well. Because, you know, if you're watching this, oftentimes there are things that happen that sometimes you go, I don't think life can ever get better again. You know, I'm never going to recover from this. It's happened to me on a number of occasions, but if you stick with it, it always does. And uh, that's great advice for everyone. Absolutely. A couple of final questions from me, Nigel. Mm. And uh, obviously you've been here, you've been blessed uh, by uh, spending three days uh, in front of the Progress fans and some fantastic action, wonderful uh, strong style tournaments. But um, since being on the independence over here in the UK and maybe the independence in America, how would you say wrestling has evolved, changed? Is there anything noticeable from you having been in the business, been part of the business for so many years now, that's kind of, that, 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 that you feel is maybe a, a positive or a negative, kind of you know, mostly positives, but what are some of the fundamental changes you've seen, certainly from your experience in London these three days? I think how quickly people progress in the industry, no pun intended. Wow. <laughs> um, and I think that is because you have access to matches. You know, when I was starting, when I was starting was before YouTube. So we had, we had VHS cassettes, all right? So you might have to be a tape trader to get yeah. some good stuff. It would take a while for you to see these shows, oftentimes. Take it back a generation before then, the only way you could see wrestling was either on TV live yeah. or in the venue, you know what I mean? So it took even longer for them to learn to be good wrestlers. And now, you can see everything that's ever existed in wrestling on your phone. So guys are picking things up really quickly and they're becoming incredible hybrid wrestlers. And if anything, that's the difficulty now is that guys want to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So how do you set yourself apart? How do you really stand out in that crowd? And that's always been the job of a professional wrestler to get to the top of the card is how to stand out. That's no different now than it was in my generation or the generation before that. So that's one of the things that has stayed the same. And I also think one of the things that stayed the same is the respect that people have for this job you know some people talk about it the kids today and, and I don't I don't buy it they certainly have showed me nothing but respect and any veterans who come in the progress lot of room I'm sure they get the same respect shown to them so again it's it's a wonderful industry to be a part of absolutely uh, and obviously progress one of the leading independent yep. companies not just in the UK but worldwide um, I'll be likely to see you back in some capacity um, in a progress arena sometime in the future, Nigel. I would love to. I would love the opportunity. Uh, I booked this weekend before I signed on with AEW. So obviously anything in the future has to go through AEW. They're my 
prime concern right now. Um, but you know, the wonderful thing about working for AEW is their flexibility and their openness to let you do other shows, not just wrestling shows, magic shows as well. And that all obviously comes from the top, comes from Tony Khan and that that love that he has for entertainers and respecting performers and knowing that they have this creative need and he lets most people do what they want to do. So I appreciate Tony, I appreciate AEW, appreciate Progress Wrestling. Absolutely. And before we sign off, uh, if you've got one final message for the Progress fans at home that have really enjoyed your uh, your participation, your many roles over this uh, Strong Style weekend, uh, what would your final message to the Progress fans be at home? Keep supporting us, keep supporting progress, keep supporting independent wrestling is super important and there is always a grassroots level, you know, the opportunity for guys to work in front of crowds like this. There's a certain, I want to say, freedom that you have on shows like this to really go out there and try some things out that you can't do on TV, that you can't do when there's a lot of agents and, and producers and all these other things that are in some way impinging you when you're doing TV wrestling or working for a really big company uh, you know, for better or for worse and so you can't have these shows without the fans supporting without them and the same thing goes for the magic as well the guys that came out and bought tickets last night I can't tell you what that means to me that you are willing to spend your money to come and help me engage and get better as a magician and have fun as well um, that, that means a lot so thank you keep doing it I hope you have a good time it looks like you are having a good time so rock on Nigel McGuinness, you've been wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. You got it, Jonas.